Bankless Nation, we are super excited to talk about Canto today, specifically what is going on with Canto. David, this is a layer one chain. I know that. I know it's been up about 500% in price over the last 30 days. I know crypto Twitter is talking about it, angry about it, yelling about it. I'm not really sure, but I don't know precisely what it is. What are we going to unpack today? Why is Canto important? Yeah, Canto is a brand new layer one blockchain on the scene, which has caused a bunch of hype, uh, as, as you mentioned, because the price has done a 500% in 30 days, uh, which is insane, even in, in crypto standards. Uh, how did that come to be? Why? Especially because it's a bear market. Especially because like, it's a bear market, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, and, uh, and so how did the, what, has a, what stars have aligned to allow for a 500% price appreciation in the Canto L1 asset. Where did the Canto community come from? What's so unique about Canto that is generating this uh, amount of excitement and hubbub? Is it just a bunch of traders rotating? Uh, what's real about Canto? What is perhaps uh, just, uh, just a trade? Uh, there's a bunch of conversations to have here. Uh, Canto is experimenting with what's called CSR, which I believe is called Contract Secured Revenue. Uh, we will ask Zach about that and make sure I got that acronym right. Uh, and this all kind of started when Variant put out a blog post detailing their philosophy behind uh, Canto uh, and why they think it is exciting. Uh, Canto is not the first uh, L1 blockchain to experiment with CSR. I believe Near and others have worked on this as well. Um, but Canto and the way that it was designed and the way that it was bootstrapped has captured the attention in ways that other layer one blockchains have not. Uh, so we are bringing on Zach Cole, who is a Canto core contributor uh, so say that three times fast, Kento core contributor, uh, CCC, CCC. Um, and uh, while this is Kent, uh, Zach's first appearance on Bankless, uh, I've actually done three podcasts with Zach way back in my POV crypto days. So long time Bankless listeners might, might remember some very old episodes I, I did with Zach a very long time ago. Uh, funny guy, been around in the Ethereum ecosystem for a very long time. And that's also another conversation I like to have. A lot of Kanto developers are Ethereum community members, but they have now turned their attention to Kanto. So why has Kanto captured their attention. Uh, so many questions to ask. Uh, I hope we can get all of these answers today on the show. Including what to call these guys, Cantonians, Cantonites. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some working ideas that mm -hmm. I have, but I want to hear what Zach has to say about that. And guys, before we get in, want to tell you about our friends and sponsors at MetaMask Learn. So not just MetaMask the wallet, there's actually a way you can level up on crypto by going through courses, going through lessons on MetaMask Learn. So David, what have I got on screen? What are we looking at here? MetaMask Learn is an engaging and interactive new way to get onboarded into the world of Web3. So this is a, a system of courses, perhaps, that not only does it teach you how to open and start your MetaMask wallet, but it will also teach you about deep core principles like identity, finance, ownership. Uh, and so this is probably the most engaging way of learning about crypto that I've yet discovered. Uh, and to teach you, again, not the ways just to get started in crypto, but the, the philosophy and the reasons for why we are here. Uh, and so if you are interested in that, there is a link in the show notes. You can also go to learn.metamask.io. Uh, this is a great place if you are frustrated and onboarding so many of your friends who just don't get it into the world of crypto and you here. have to explain the same things over and over and over again, send them to learn.metamask.io. This is uh, way, way better than the university course where you might be taking, where you have to pay in order to take their courses. Mm. Uh, crypto, as we say so often, pays you to learn about crypto. Mm. All right. And this is a fun, engaging, interactive way to do it. <laughs> so check that out in the show notes. Um, all right, David, 
gotta ask you we barely spent any time together since like last thursday mm-hmm. uh i'm hearing like your voice i'm, I'm yeah. so you've been out all the way in israel <laughs> and uh you've been at starkware i want to get the full download uh, about that uh when we record the roll up later in the week but uh what's up with your voice man you doing okay was he like over speaking what's going on yeah i kind of lost my voice uh it's actually come back uh the day before yesterday so my days are better my, my days are better now there was uh, the last day while well, uh, i was at starquare sessions in tel aviv friday afternoon hopped on a plane landed in tel aviv saturday morning uh went straight over to the hacker house to see what they were hacking on attended the conference did nine interviews which is perhaps why you can tell like my voice was spent so it's hoarse uh it's yeah. Just, yeah the, 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 the last day of the conference i was like literally like in my brain was breaking with I was like pushing air out of my lungs and there was just <laughs> nothing coming out man it was just like a, ah. um, and so it's starting to it's starting to come back uh, right. but it's it's partly because I did nine goddamn interviews over at Starkware sessions those are currently being put through the pod squad uh, which are podcast we at team at bankless the, the the podcast mill and those are coming out on the RSS feed I'm also writing an article which is almost done coming out on Thursday which is what I learned over at the Starkware sessions uh, so a bunch of Starkware content coming your way, uh, but, but that is why my voice is spent. Uh, oh, don't worry, you know, man. put put my voice on the line for the Bankless Nation. Yeah, it's look, uh, D- David's uh, sacrificing his his voice <laughs> in order to give bring you uh, content, and uh, we only have like three more podcasts to record this week, David. Yeah. So uh, light workload for the rest of the week. Yeah, um, week. All right, guys, we'll be right back with this episode talking all about Canto, what it is, what's going on with Zach Cole. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible, including our friends over at Kraken. They are our recommended exchange for 2023. Fantastic. Proof of reserves. Go check them out. Kraken has been a leader in the crypto industry for the last 12 years. Dedicated to accelerating the global adoption of crypto, Kraken puts an emphasis on security, transparency, and client support, which is why over 9 million clients have come to love Kraken's products. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, the Kraken UX is simple, intuitive, and frictionless, making the Kraken app a great place for all to get involved and learn about crypto. For those with experience, the redesigned Kraken Pro app and web experience is completely customizable to your trading needs. Integrating key trading features into one seamless interface. Kraken has a 24-7, 365 client support team that is globally recognized. Kraken support is available wherever, whenever you need them, by phone, chat, or email. And for all of you NFTers out there, the brand new Kraken NFT beta platform gives you the best NFT trading experience possible. Rarity rankings, no gas fees, and the ability to buy an NFT straight with cash. Does your crypto exchange prioritize its customers the way that Kraken does? And if not, sign up with Kraken at kraken.com. Arbitrum One is pioneering the world of secure Ethereum scalability and is continuing to accelerate the Web3 landscape. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum One, producing flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. With the recent addition of Arbitrum Nova, gaming and social dApps like Reddit are also now calling Arbitrum home. Both Arbitrum One and Nova leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. On Arbitrum, both builders and users will experience faster transaction speeds with significantly lower gas fees. With Arbitrum's recent migration to Arbitrum Nitro, it's also now 10 times faster than before. Visit arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first dApp. With Arbitrum, experience Web3 development the way it was meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. How many total airdrops have you gotten? This last bull market had a ton of them. 
Did you get them all? Maybe you missed one. So here's what you should do. Go to Earnify and plug in your Ethereum wallet and Earnify will tell you if you have any unclaimed airdrops that you can get. And it also does POAPs and mintable NFTs. Any kind of money that your wallet can claim, Earnify will tell you about it. And you should probably do it now because some airdrops expire. And if you sign up for Earnify, they'll email you anytime one of your wallets has a new airdrop for it to make sure that you never lose an airdrop ever again. You can also upgrade to Earnify Premium to unlock access to airdrops that are beyond the basics and are able to set reminders for more wallets. And for just under $21 a month, it probably pays for itself with just one airdrop. So plug in your wallets at Earnify and see what you get. That's E-A-R-N-I dot F-I. And make sure you never lose another airdrop. Bankless Nation, we are back doing our show with Kanto. This is Zach Cole I want to introduce you to. Zach Cole is a protocol engineer, co-founder, and CTO of Slingshot, which is a decentralized exchange, but also, more relevantly, a core contributor to Kanto, a new layer one on the scene, dominating headlines lately, in no small part to its crazy price performance of its native asset. Uh, and so we are going to dive into all things Kanto with the guidance of Zach Cole. Zach, welcome to Bankless. Hey, 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 what's up? Thank you for having me on. It's your boy, Zach Cole, coming at you live from Nashville, Tennessee. Beautiful day. How y'all doing? Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Huh? That's been one of the better in- guest intros I think we've ever seen on Bankless. <laughs> What's up? What's up? <laughs> Man, is this the kind of the uh, Canto energy? Are you guys always like this? I mean, we bring it, you know. We've been known to bring it. <laughs> okay, so the name. All right, we're talking about uh, Cantonites. Um, uh, what else? Um, cantaloupes, uh, I think maybe someone on the YouTube chat said. People what? have referred to it as that, yeah. What, what, what does the Canto tribe call itself? Cause, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know. I think cantaloupes is pretty cool. Cantonites <laughs> is good too. It sounds a little Old Testament, but uh, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think that's a good one too. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's whatever people choose to identify as. You know. <laughs> can we uh, ask? Can I ask what this Canto thing is at the highest level? So I feel like, um, you know, uh, people are talking about Canto mostly because of price lately, and so people are like, "Well, Canto is coming on Bankless." Must be a top signal. I can't say that you're wrong. I don't know. Have no idea. Um, but also, Canto is doing uh, something pretty, pretty unique. It's sort of a unique experiment, and um, it was a unique experiment even before the last thirty days of sort of a five hundred percent increase in price uh, explosion. So, how would you explain this? I know Zach, you're, you're a longtime member of the Ethereum community. So, sure. explain it to uh, the average bankless listener. What yeah. is Canto? Yeah, so Canto is kind of like a novel L1 uh, where we kind of like experiment as a network with different economic primitives. Um, The primary one being CSR, which is contract secured revenue, and that's kind of like a fee sharing mechanism. So um, things like this haven't really existed in the way that we present them. And what we do essentially is uh, like uh, similar to 1559, where all of the fees for a block are burned and sent to the zero address. What we're doing is uh, taking 20% of those fees that would otherwise be burned and we're distributing them to the people that launch or deploy those contracts on the network. Um, So that kind of provides a subsidy essentially for developers and incentivizes people to kind of build without having to be concerned so much about how are we gonna generate revenue? How are we gonna monetize? What are we gonna do? Because uh, I think a big problem with people that build is that they're passionate about building. Uh, we like to build stuff, put things out there. I like to do that with my friends, but all, but it's not always entirely clear. Like, how are we going to support ourselves? How am I going to keep the lights on? How am I going to pay rent? What am I going to do? Like, I build this cool stuff. Uh, I'm not really getting paid to do it. 
Like, what am I going to do? So this network kind of allows you to just like focus on your passion, build what you want to build. And we provide a subsidy. So if you build a, like, if you deploy a contract and you build a product that a lot of people use, you're going to be rewarded. That's baked into the core, the core protocol of Canto. And okay. I think that's kind of like what we're going for primarily. Granted, this is an experiment, completely experimental. Uh, like, you know, could, uh, here today, gone tomorrow. It could go to zero. It could go to a billion. I have no idea. We're one tweet. We're, we're one tweet away. Yeah. From either. <laughs> As uh, as we always say on Bankless, uh, crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in. That is, uh, multiply that by ten and apply that f to Canto, guys. As as you're listening to this, but but let me ask you about this experiment in a little bit more detail. So, um, Zach, so this is a layer one. So this is not a layer two, right? Um, I right. believe it uses some of the Cosmos uh, stack, the Tendermint stack, I should say, for kind of consensus. Um, but it is uh, EVM is a smart contract chain. Is that right? Yeah, so there's EVM functionality on top of the Cosmos SDK that was okay. used to like build the underlying protocol itself. Um, we chose that because, uh, well, first of all, Canto uh, is like a fork of Evmos, and then we built on top of that. Evmos uses the Cosmos SDK and uh, implements EVM functionality. The reason we did all of that is because the Cosmos SDK is pretty easy to kind of just uh, uh, define your uh, blockchain uh, not have to worry about building all that stuff necessarily and then just get it going and then of course we have evm functionality because i'm an evm maxi myself so okay so um full evm capability then and that's that's pretty conducive to the builder community that you're hoping to attract now the big point of of difference aside from sort of you know people recognize uh you know uh evmos and you know other cosmos chains that have evm support like that's sort of been done before but what canto is doing is this kind of unique public goods funding mechanism right and so whenever we've in the past described uh even like things like gas fees for example or um eip uh 1559 these sorts of things, our mental model for it, and when I say ours, I mean banklesses, basically like it's kind of a tax to pay for public goods. And uh, the public good that Ethereum provides is settlement assurances. And so all of this, this public good goes into like national defense, the uh, defense fund for the chain, right? And so um, that is the only public good that Ethereum provides, right? It's just chain defense maximum security all of the transaction fees all of the, the the burning goes into the value of eth and ultimately that ends up uh increasing the economic value of the chain and, and the cost to attack the chain so it all goes into the military and security budget what you're saying is with canto um that's part of it because you're obviously compensating validators right so you have a military budget but then you also have a budget for bridges and schools and hospitals and of course i'm not talking about these things literally i'm talking yeah. about other chain infrastructure types of things and yeah. i believe the chain infrastructure from what i've uh, i see in, in crypto is like um uh, a dex right. uh, and, a core. And, and what what else uh, lending market okay so a decentralized exchange and a lending market and what you're saying right. is um the the protocol fees that canto generates goes towards the taxes go towards funding these applications and so like these are private applications almost on the ethereum network but for canto they're kind of like government provided they're like part of the public good and um recipients of 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 the taxes and that's the unique flavor of the model um i think 
what I'm curious yeah, no, about. Are you, are you sure yeah. you don't know anything about Kanto? Well, I just, like it just uh... seems like, look, it just seems like a, a logical thing that you would go try to do. What, what I'm yeah. curious about, if that, if that articulation was, was like in the, in the, in the ballpark, is how, so here's the problem with doing that with Ethereum is how do you determine which projects to distribute uh, the, the tax revenue to and the public goods? And by how so, much? Yeah and, yeah, and and how much? How does Canto solve that problem? Yeah, that's a really good question. So anybody that takes part in that network, anybody that deploys an application is contributing to the overall growth of the network. Um, so they receive a portion of that subsidy and 20% of what would be burned using an EIP 1559 type of pattern, right? So 20% uh, of the burn fee or the base fee goes to the person that has deployed that contract. So uh, we're not really deciding. It's more like the market is deciding. If you have an application that's getting a lot of traction and seeing a lot of traffic, um, then you are going to receive a portion of that base fee. So you get 20% of what would be burnt otherwise. So uh, one critique of CSR, which is, again, like I said in the intro, CSR is a model that uh, Canto is applying, not creating. We have talked about CSR as an industry in many different respects. And like I said, other, other blockchains are also working on this. Uh, I believe uh, for a moment in time, Ethereum was also interested in this. But the, one of the reasons why um, this the CSR model has been critiqued is that when you take 20% of the gas fees for a specific contract and give that to the contract devs, you add in a new, a new game theory. Uh, and and that is involved about with well now a, a contract dev isn't actually incentivized to make the best contract possible they're actually incentivized to make perhaps an overly complicated overly inefficient contract because then they get a higher subsidy uh how what's canto's philosophy on this yeah, so I totally agree with you. It seems like that at face value, but would you use an overly complicated and over an overly expensive contract yourself, David? Well, only if it's the only game in town, I don't really have a choice. Okay, but as soon as somebody else deploys something that does it more efficiently, you're going to start using that one, right? Sure. Okay, so you're relying on on just market yeah, so competition the, the market, to produce efficiencies. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you don't do something well, the person that does it better is going to come along and they're going to eat your lunch. Mm. So you should be the best you can be. You should deploy the best contracts you can because that's going to ensure that you have a place at the table for as long as possible. Until someone comes along and does it better. Is it because you're saving gas fees in a more uh, efficient smart contract or is it you're just better using Yeah, yeah. So users are going to users are going to default to whatever provides the better user experience, whatever is cheaper, whatever is the you know, more convenient to use. And that's true in any market. You can look at like complicated smart contracts on Ethereum. Uh, like most people are going to do things that are like cheaper. They're going to do things that are more efficient. They're going to use things that provide a better experience for them. And that's just that's just how it works, you know. So so I so Can Canto has this pool of public goods, but it doesn't select the winners. It it more it more kind of like uh, creates a mechanism for this this uh, pool of money to be distributed. And the market forces uh, are the ones that are selecting the winners. So it's almost like the the government protocol of Canto creates like this bidding process and this healthy game of competition. They're like, we've got this pot of money, and uh, all of the the private smart contract developers are the ones competing for that pot for pot of money. But but really, it's kind of market forces and that it's users that are determining the outcomes exactly. of uh, which which uh, smart contracts end up winning. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. So when we talk about the market, 
like the market. It's not like this ominous like figure that we can't really understand. The market are people like me, there are people like you, they're participants within the network. They're all of those, uh, those uh, users. Everybody that takes part within this community has a say in what is going to succeed and what is gonna fail. And uh, the projects that they deem worthy of success are gonna be the ones that, uh, that uh, do better than the others. I mean, that's just, that's and just so how it works. Just getting in the details, Zach, of how um, the funds are distributed. So is it based on how much, I guess, um, like, I don't know if the right word is compute, but but how much of the EVM, EVM resources or how much block space every smart contract is using? And if you're using more block space, then you get partitioned to more of the uh, the subsidy for this? Yeah, essentially. That, that makes sense. Yeah. And you would receive 20% of that. And David, you, you call this thing CSR, right. and I'm, I'm a little wary of like, you know, crypto loves its acronyms, mm -hmm. uh, uh, acronyms, and so here's another one, CSR. But all that means, all CSR is, is just what we we just described. It's it's kind of that public goods funding to almost like the application layer right. of the ecosystem. Is that what we mean by CSR? Yeah, that, that's yeah. It. and it was one of the acronyms that we could definitely have picked a better one for, a better name for, and and, th and this philosophy. It has been embedded in crypto, I'd say pretty damn close to its very, very coarse roots about like, how do we provide a business model to open source? That's really like goes to the heart of crypto, like open source, how do we fund it? How do we fund open source developers? Uh, and um, Optimism has their uh, retroactive public goods funding. They initially had some sort of philosophy about that was highly synonymous with CSR, which is why actually how the show came to be is I tweeted out, oh, CS, uh, Canto is just doing the Optimism thing. Um, and then Zach was like, actually, wait, there's nuances. Uh, yes and no. Uh, and then boom, this is how we have a show today. Uh, but, but Zach, I want to ask like, um, like, like I mentioned, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, other layer ones also have CSR in them. I, I, like I said, I think, I think near has, has this and, and other chains have also experimented with this. Uh, how would you say Canto's CSR is different in any particular way? What's unique about it? Uh, I think it's just the simplicity, like, uh, the con like the amount of base fee that your contract consumes, you receive a, a dividend from that. Um, most of the other ones have like retroactive type, uh, methodologies, uh, they're like a little bit different. Um, not like a, I don't know. I don't know how much different they are. I haven't partake. I haven't really taken part in the near ecosystem enough to like be able to say that. All I know is like what we're doing is different because we're uh, we're sharing twenty percent of the block base fee. What's so nice about this is there's no like subjective human governance of like let's all vote to see who receives the the twenty percent pot. It's right. based on yeah. So this is in real time. Uh, like you can, you're like, as it's being burnt, that's going toward this, uh, into a pot that you can then claim. And that's just for tax purposes, but it's essentially streamed. Hmm. So one, one question I have, Zach, and, and just to really just, um, plant this plant this in the ground this is the thing about canto it's it's csr it's not like csr and another thing it's like csr is kind of the the big flagship of the canto chain yeah i think so for now i mean uh, of course like everyone's going to be like our community is great and right. we have a lot of fun but like from a technical perspective <laughs> like that, that's like that's what we have right now and that's what we're experimenting with and, when i um uh, when i read the like, uh, the variant blog post they, they talked about nationalizing infrastructure and then there was like a, a dex that is maybe enshrined not the right word but um uh perhaps it also is uh can you talk about this angle like what what is what are these things that are like enshrined into uh, into canto 
Yeah, so it's the lending market and it's the DEX. And by providing these uh, protocols as primitives that are like baked into the protocol itself as opposed to application layer, uh, we can kind of like have like what would be equivalent of like a post office, right? Or a fire department mm. or what you need for like a community to function uh, like in its bare, like its bare essence, right? So with Ethereum, with Bitcoin, with a lot of that other stuff, all you're providing is like you said, security. Whereas we're providing some additional things that are more economically focused and financially aligned. So whereas like Ethereum, you know, it's pretty much just security. Uh, we're also making sure that, you know, trying to make sure that people get fed. And I'm not saying that Ethereum doesn't do that. Like I am an Ethereum. I helped build Ethereum. Like, but right now we can't really experiment in the same way that we could like five years ago, uh, just because Ethereum has become an institution. So how are we going to test these economic primitives in a way that actually makes sense and drives like good, valuable data? Uh, we can't really do that on Ethereum anymore. Mm. It's, yeah. it's, it's changed. It's I like mean, we're a big myth. It's an institution. If you tried to do that on Ethereum, uh, honestly, Zach, I'd, I'd say we try to drive you out, honestly. Yeah. It's like too big to run these sorts of experiments. Exactly. Like exactly. That, we, we can't just say, yeah, let's experimentally take a huge, like a huge portion of uh, gas transaction fees and right. distribute it somewhere. Like that, yep. that doesn't work at the scale we're in. We, we want to yep. leave Ethereum more credibly neutral. So you're running this nationalization experiment here. Is there... There, there has been talk about nationalizing other things uh, across the ch like chains, different chains. Like even in Ethereum, it, um, I know Justin Drake has, has brought up the idea of like having an oracle that is in oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. enshrined yeah. in, the, in, the, in the chain. Um, are there other things that Canto might add, like some sort of um, price oracle? Mm, so a price oracle would be really, really useful, but designing a price oracle in an efficient way that can actually be kind of baked into a protocol means that we need something that's kind of tried and tested. And there are just like a lot of different versions of a price oracle. Um, one thing that uh, like, so when you ask like what kind of things are going to be baked into the protocol as like we create this like infrastructure, like think about the things that you need in a, in a city, right? You're building like this city. Uh, you need a bank, you need a lending market, what else do we do? Uh, well, uh, NFT trading is pretty good. So maybe we'll include an NFT market, you know, uh, all of these like basic goods that people like to have within a protocol, we should figure out how we can subsidize all of them. Um, so I'm not saying that we're going to build an NFT market into it or like an Oracle, ex for example, those are things that are really great and that we should build. And I have different plans myself as to what I would like to build into the protocol, but I'm also just a participant in this community. I'm not really like anyone special. Anybody can do what I'm doing. So I'm not like dictating the roadmap of Canto. I'm just like a guy who likes to build stuff, you know? How the team formed and, and how that, uh, I, I definitely want to get into that conversation, but first I want to still uh, tie off this like nationalization of contracts. What, 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 so like, um, just to reiterate, there's a DEX, there is an on-chain lending market, and there's a stable coin. And those are the three main bits of nationalized infrastructure. What does that mean for that uh, at, a, at a technical level? Like, so how are those systems treated differently than applications on top of Canto? Uh, and are there plans for those no, the number of like nationalized bits of, of uh, infrastructure to grow? Like what would be the fourth yeah. or fifth thing? So they're not necessarily treated different. It's just like their use is contingent on the Canto token itself. Mm. They don't really, the governance uh, is uh, dictated through Canto itself. So it kind of like accrues uh, all of that value to Canto and the community rather than like these rent seeking or value extractive governance tokens 
right? Like for every single protocol, uh, if it's something that's actually needed on like a network wide level, let's just build it into the protocol so that value accrues to Canto and to that token, to the base token, as opposed to like some sort of governance token that's pretty rent seeking, right? It's trying to extract additional value from its user base. And that kind of fragments liquidity. It also like kind of breaks up uh, like uh, users into these kind of like sub tribes, essentially like, oh, I'm a Uniswap guy. That's how I identify when I engage with this, with the, uh, with the network and like on chain, or I'm a compound guy or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like we're all Canto folks right now. So, so, this, so this is like if Ethereum had it's Uniswap and it's Aave and it's MakerDAO and it's Dai stablecoin as like official core Ethereum uh, pro applications and said like this is this is what we use and the idea is that uh, all of the fees generated by these various protocols the fees generated by Uniswap uh, the fees generated by Maker the fees generated by Aave actually would actually go to Ether rather than the Aave token the MKR token the Uni token. Exactly. Yeah. So think about all of that value that has accrued within each one of those protocols individually, as well as Ethereum itself. Like that's a massive amount of value. If you look mm -hmm. at CoinGecko, you look at the top hundred, it's safe to say that 98% of that is built on Ethereum, right? Mm -hmm. So who should be uh, rewarded for that? I think that everyone within that community should be rewarded just because we're all participants. We've all made it what it is now. And so the just to put myself into the like the mind philosophy of a of a the Canto blockchain, the Canto chain, it's just like, okay, we are going to make the most used, most primitive applications, and we're going to claim this for the Canto layer one and let the rest of the whatever gets built on Canto to be up to the free market. And so like there's like a capitalism versus socialism versus communism conversation here where like the Canto blockchain is like the the, uh, the authority over the land and they're saying hey the free market is is free except for we make the stable coin the you know the government makes the stable coin the government makes the the lending market the government makes the the uh, money market and but the rest is up to the free market and so you know putting this into uh, into ethereum words Ethereum is like free market absolutely everywhere. There's literally nothing that's enshrined in Ethereum. Everything is the free market. And Canto is like mm, three applications that are public utilities provided by the government for the government. Would this you say this is a, a fair articulation? Yeah, I suppose so. Although I'm not like a huge political type guy, so I'm not like really right. like I'm an engineer. So well, I'm not going to have like any hot spicy takes in regard to that. Mm -hmm. But what you said, you said it with confidence and it sounds right. <laughs> well, that, that's the key, Zach, is as long as you say it with, with confidence, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely the right answer. But uh, so um, this is the, the idea of like chain nationalism, which, yeah. which is it's like chain central planning. Yeah, it's like, only, it's a little like bit. The, only three things. Three like, things yeah. are centrally planned. Canto is like Sweden or something like this. Mm. We're going to like um, yeah. have more public goods. But yeah. but it's also in some ways it's we'll not. Take care of the people that take care of us. Everybody is building on top of on top of a network. They, I think that they should receive some sort of subsidy for uh, that participation. Yeah, but in some ways it's also not like so. What what you just said is kind of David. This conversation of uh, socialism versus capitalism too. It's um, th there are uh, strong elements of the free market. So mm -hmm. you, even though um, there is public uh, goods funding, uh, Canto also distributes this in a way that lets sort of the free market decide. Right? It, it's as if like um, there's a whole bunch of contractors bidding 
for the government's right. pot of money. Yeah. It's almost like if you think if you think of like, well, I know this is congealed, and we have a military industrial contact, uh, you know, uh, industry in the U.S. But you could imagine a more like free market in the U.S. where um, you would outsource and contract a whole bunch of private companies to do your defense. Um, it's not actually the government doing all of the work. It's kind of these private companies that that are getting better and, and uh, fulfilling the obligations of the government. That's what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. I, w- one question, uh, Zach, though, about the stablecoin. So is this like, uh, you said it was like DAI almost. Um, DAI is, of course, uh, can be backed by ETH, but also um, some other collateral assets. Um, is it like that or is, or is the, sta- the stable coin, is it all backed by uh, the Canto over, coin? Yeah, it's over collateralized. So it like enters circulation when users borrow it from the lending market. So it's not like a Terra Luna type setup, is it? No. <laughs> because that was like, I, don't think, was like, I hope no one ever says yes to that question. That yes. was like, <laughs> no, that was interesting, not. right? What, one thing about Terra Luna is they did nationalize the, the, right. the, um, the stable coin, didn't they? Um, well, so they needed to element. control its value, so they had to. Yeah, and then it kind of like there was an element of um, uh, nationalizing the Elgo stablecoin and making the value of the base chain uh, and uh, you know UST and and Luna kind of interlocked. Um, that's not what that's not what Canto is doing though. It's a different. No, the, the whole reason that Terra Luna, like the whole thing collapsed, was because it wasn't it wasn't over collateralized. Right. It was yeah. they were trying to do something that would be kind of under collateralized, right? And people are taking uh, taking advantage of that system and kind of abusing it because the governance wasn't actually decentralized, right? So, so if it's if if we're working on an over collateralized system and we don't have access to any of those assets, like no one individual has actual access to those assets, right. then there's no real threat of it being under collateralized. We didn't, and Canto launched without any VC backing. There was like no. Uh, like the initial distribution was like really, really fair. There were over 40 people that helped launch uh, Canto. I was one of those people. I just contributed. And um, we received like a small amount for like uh, uh, compensation for our participation, but it wasn't crazy. Um, it was, it was, uh, and, and that's it. That's all there's going to be for the rest of the history of the chain. And there's no real like force that has more uh, control over this asset than anyone else. Anybody can come in and market by and do whatever they want to do, um, or they could take part in any of the CSR uh, like initiatives, and they can earn Canto that way. But there's no foundation, there aren't any VCs, there's no like private interest here. Yeah, so I think that brings us to the question about how Canto got bootstrapped. Uh, so Zach, if you can just walk us back through history and and give us the rundown about how Canto went from zero to one, and I think also embedded into this question will be uh, open up the conversation about why. Canto is on Cosmos rather than being an Ethereum layer two. Um, so, sure. but let's let's we'll end there and let's start with like how did how did Cosmos or excuse me how did Canto get started, uh, and how did it get bootstrapped? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, like to take it way 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 back, uh, I was working on ETH two. I mean, you remember when I was working uh, at White Block and we were doing a lot of ETH two research and development, and I was like sitting at a bar with the guy that I was working with at the time, and we we're kind of like. You know, bitching about like, oh, this is kind of inefficient. This is what, this is, uh, they should do this. They should do that. This is blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, rather than like bitching about it, let's kind of like draw out our own diagram of what we think Ethereum would look like at scale. And we came up with this sort of protocol based um, uh, system. Uh, 
that essentially looks a lot like what kind of Polygon and Avalanche are doing with their subnets and is what also kind of what Ethereum looks like with a lot of L2s. But this was back in 2017 or 18. And uh, we called it Canto. And I came up with the name Canto because uh, Canto is like a small subsect of a larger poem. I thought that was pretty. Mm. And uh, mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's what we came up with. Um, we started building it and, you know, a lot of other stuff came about because I was working on white block and all this other crap. But that was my idea for how we would scale Ethereum. By the time I got back around to revisiting Canto, uh, people were already launching L2s. All this stuff was already coming out. So the idea that we had in 2018 was no longer applicable to help scale Ethereum because Ethereum was already scaling. It was scaling technologically. I think that we can say we we did it, right? Like we can say ETH2 shipped. Like the vision that we set off with a few years ago has kind of come to fruition. So what's the next thing that we need to scale? And when I was here in Nashville, I was uh, I started working with Scott Lewis. And uh, yeah, he came up with a lot of these ideas for like uh, economic mechanisms and financial mechanisms. And it made a lot of sense to me. It was like, all right, so it seems like we can't really like there's not really much need to scale things technically now, but there's a lot of need to scale things from an economic perspective. And what he presented and thought about made a whole lot of like a whole lot of sense to me. So that's kind of what we focused on. And we just used the name Canto because I have the domain name still. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my awesome. God. That's hilarious. OK, so that, that was the inception moment. But how, how did Canto go from the brainchild of you and Scott and a few others to an actual like community to whatever yeah, extent yeah. the community has been generated? Yeah. So we were just, uh, you know, we like to talk about all of these problems and what the solutions are. I mean, I think we're kind of solutions architects, really, and uh, like um, put together a team of like really great people like Plex, which is about eight people. They like did a lot of the building on the initial protocol for Canto. And we kind of like had a lull and a lot of like other work we were doing. So it was like, all right, well, let's do something like fun as a side project and like, let's see what happens. And uh, one thing led to another and it just like picked up more steam. And now we have like people participating in Canto community, the people that launched it, like we have Johnny Ray, jo Joseph DeLong, Preston Van Loon. Uh, those are a lot of the people that I brought in who are, who are a lot of OG kind of protocol developers that helped ship ETH2 as well. And um, and uh, yeah, now we're just gonna see, see where it goes. Um, I mean, we do have like kind of a roadmap, like, you know, but it's not really like up to me to decide. So I'm just a participant within a larger collaborative ecosystem, but uh, yeah. So with, with this, like, oh, there's a, it seems to be like there's a bunch of ungovernance vibes about Canto. That's kind of like the main point. And so I think that's why you're saying, like, I'm, I don't have any control over the roadmap. It is what it is. Right. And I think that's yeah. why Canto chose Cosmos, because in kind of in the, in the same way that DYDX moved from StarkX onto Cosmos, yeah. uh, the whole sort of permissionless network building doesn't really isn't ready on the Ethereum land because there's additional that's, complexities. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So. Like the thing is, is like the reason we chose Cosmos, I think, is because Cosmos was available and it worked. Mm -hmm. um, I would have loved, I, I don't think anybody would have thought twice about launching an L2 on Ethereum had, uh, like if there existed an SDK similar to what Cosmos has that allows me to quickly and efficiently launch an L2. So I'm sure there are people out there thinking about this problem and thinking about the solutions to that problem. And if there are, please reach out to me because I'd like to talk to you. Uh, I think that that's something that the Ethereum ecosystem desperately needs in order to scale. So, um, but I think that we're on the way. 
And we're really figuring all that stuff out. And that's why projects like Arbitrum and Optimism are so important for us as a community, um, because then that will allow us to experiment in a way that doesn't have an effect or uh, kind of like, uh, I guess, just doesn't have an effect on the L1, on ETH. Like I said, we can't really experiment on, on ETH L1. We, sure. we can't do it. So the reason that we launched on Cosmos was because that provided us with the tools we needed to quickly build something out without, without having to think about it too much uh, to kind of like provide ourselves with the playground we need for these financial experiments. So Zach, I mean, there could be in the future, you guys maybe move to uh, an L2 or something like that or change up the architecture as a possibility. Potentially. I mean, nothing's out of the question. Um, is is that possible? How would governance uh, move in a, an a, a Cosmos app chain to an Ethereum, what would, would be a layer three, I believe? How is that even technically feasible? I mean, I'm, I, it, it is feasible. I have no idea exactly how it would work, but it's some, it's some that's a problem that I would love to come up with a solution for. But uh, so, like, Zach, D David mentioned this term ungovernance, but I'm actually not sure that there is that is ungovernance. I think there's elements of it that are ungovernance, but I'm seeing here like um, like uh, there is a way to participate in government go governance. And this looks like a, a Cosmos app chain. People are familiar with it, kind of gov governance mechanisms, which is sort of token weighted voting. Is that what's in play here? Is that yeah, it's not yeah, really yeah. ungovernance? Um, so it's like DAO style token weighted governance. Is that right? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So there is. I mean, you can participate in governance as a token holder. Anybody can, and they are welcome to come in and vote on different initiatives because it's a community. I think that rather than what we're trying to stress as much as possible is decentralization. There is no one entity that's in control. I am but a participant in a much broader community. Um, everybody else who wants to participate within this community is welcome to do so. You just need to like, you just need some tokens and there's plenty of ways to do it. And there are plenty of ways to do it in a way that doesn't require you to like buy it. Like you can participate in this community by building stuff and that allows you to like participate that allows you to be a participant essentially. But, but presumably like I, I think of like Bitcoin's governance layers as more ungovernance, right? I mean, or, yeah, or it's yeah, squishy yeah. governance, Ethereum as loud. well. Yeah, whoever's loud, it's kind of like this layer one social thing, squishy governance. Right. But with Canto, it's more similar to like a, a, a Uniswap, or it's more similar to a Cosmos app chain in that it is token-weighted voting, or Tezos, yeah. basically. And so somebody with the majority of all of the tokens can actually push Change the yeah. uh, decisions in one direction or another. And I guess if the community, this is what Tezos has always argued, if the community doesn't like it, they can fork off. Um, yeah. But... Uh, there is this token-weighted governance that's in play. And so you could accrue power in this network by just getting a lot of uh, tokens delegated to you or or buying them yourself. Yeah, if it's a liquid market and you can afford it. But then why would you want a disproportionate amount of something that's going to kind of ruin the game for everyone else? <laughs> Zach, there's a bunch of uh, questions that I have. I want to ask about the details of the, the yield farming bootstrapping mechanism. Uh, I want to talk about uh, the, the culture around Canto. Uh, there's a very, very specific, sometimes kind of um, uh, grungy, perhaps, meme culture around the, the Cosmo, uh, uh, Canto founders and a few other topics as well. But first, we have to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Uniswap is the largest on-chain marketplace for self-custody digital assets. Uniswap is, of course, a decentralized exchange, but you know this because you've been listening to Bankless. But did you know that the Uniswap web app 
has a shiny new fiat on-ramp. Now you could go directly from fiat in your bank to tokens in DeFi inside of Uniswap. Not only that, but Polygon, Arbitrum, and Optimism Layer 2s are supported right out of the gate. But that's just DeFi. Uniswap is also an NFT aggregator, letting you find more listings for the best prices across the NFT world. With Uniswap, you can sweep floors on multiple NFTs and Uniswap's universal router will optimize your gas fees for you. Uniswap is making it as easy as possible to go from bank account to bankless assets across Ethereum. And we couldn't be more thankful for having them as a sponsor. So go to app.uniswap.org today to buy, sell, or swap tokens and NFTs. The Phantom Wallet is coming to Ethereum. The number one wallet on Solana is bringing its millions of users and beloved UX to Ethereum and Polygon. If you haven't used Phantom before, you've been missing out. Phantom was one of the first wallets to pioneer Solana staking inside the wallet and will be offering similar staking features for Ethereum and Polygon, but that's just staking. Phantom is also the best home for your NFTs. Phantom has a complete set of features to optimize your NFT experience. Pin your favorites, hide the uglies, remove the spam, and also manage your NFT sales listings from inside the wallet. Phantom is of course a multi-chain wallet, but it makes chain management easy, displaying your transactions in a human readable format with automatic warnings for malicious transactions or phishing websites. Phantom has already saved over 20,000 users from getting scammed or hacked. So get on the Phantom waitlist and be one of the first to access the multi-chain beta. There's a link in the show notes, or you can go to phantom.app slash waitlist to get access in late February. Hey, Bankless Nation, if you're listening to this, it's because you're on the free Bankless RSS feed. Did you know that there's an ad-free version of Bankless that comes with the Bankless Premium subscription? No ads, just straight to the content. But that's just one of many things that a premium subscription gets you. There's also the Token Report, a monthly bullish, bearish, neutral report on the hottest tokens of the month. And the regular updates from the Token Report go into the Token Bible, your first stop shop for every token worth investigating in crypto. Bankless Premium also gets you a 30% discount to the permissionless conference, which means it basically just pays for itself. There's also the airdrop guide to make sure you don't miss a drop in 2023. But really, the best part about Bankless Premium is hanging out with me, Ryan, and the rest of the Bankless team in the Inner Circle Discord only for premium members. Want the alpha? Check out Ben the Analyst's DGen Pit, where you can ask him questions about the token report. Got a question? I've got my own Q&A room for any questions that you might have. At Bankless, we have huge things planned for 2023, including a new website with login with your Ethereum address capabilities, and we're super excited to ship what we are calling Bankless 2.0 soon TM. So if you want extra help exploring the frontier, subscribe to Bankless Premium. It's under 50 cents a day and provides a wealth of knowledge and support on your journey west. I'll see you in the Discord. I have been messing up this stream so bad. So they have been listening to us, not the audio for the ad. <laughs> Lol. Uh, okay, uh, Ryan, you wanna take it away? Wow, David, uh, welcome back, man. It seems a little rusty there. Um, okay, so uh, we all just went and got drinks. So you see the behind the scenes, we took a quick break. We are back with Zach. We we're talking about Kanto, the why of Kanto. And uh, as you probably heard, I was saying uh, to David during break that where I'd like to start, Zach, is with the elephant in the room, I still feel like there is some economic disalignment between uh, what I would say is the Ethereum community, which I know you're a part of, I know Scott Luce is a part of, and, and many others are a part of, and um, the rest of the Ethereum community. And I'm wondering if this represents a friction point or if you think like the Ethereum community just needs to get over it or like what your take is here. But 
uh, let me sort of um, throw throw the take from maybe a, an ETH maxi type of um, position. Sure. This is not a position that I hold. I'm just taking I'm not, a straw I'm not man familiar. approach. I'm not familiar with this You position, don't know these people? Uh, You've no, no, met not, them on I'm, Twitter? Uh, Let's see. Bring it. Okay. I don't know a single ETH maxi. Okay. So uh, the 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 position is this. Basically, um, a lot of L ones have screwed us over, and like it just go through that the like the history of like pump and dumps, of um, exit scams, either the fast exit or the slow exit, or like downright um, frauds. I'm like whatever Do Kwan was doing. Like that was pretty messed up, wasn't it? Um, Yeah. I know that this isn't VC raised, but right, like there are a lot of people that will get wealthy as a result of uh, Canto price go up. I mean, that's undeniable. When you go up 500% in a month, we all know how crypto works. And so the question is, with this economic disalignment from the rest of the Ethereum community, um, like why is it necessary to produce kind of a, a net new token on this? And do you think that this will further drive a wedge and drive tribalism between the Canto community and the Ethereum community? And are we already seeing evidence of this? We also know, um, I mean, you remember 2022, um, even if it's not the intent of the founders, oftentimes it is, but even if it's not the intent of the founders, uh, communities that rally around token price end up getting very loud and tribal and um, they go on attack campaigns as well. And this can be like a, almost like a token populism that is unleashed. We've seen this with many communities in the past. Whenever you have big token price run-ups, it's like there's this corrosive corrupting force of price appreciation. So I'm wondering what you see in that. Is this going to cause an increasing fracture between the Canto community who's just saying, hey, we're, we're just running this experiment love ethereum we're just running this experiment and the rest yeah. of the ethereum community who's just like well you're not you're not helping our eth bags uh and yeah. you're pumping your token and uh you get in fights on twitter and then it escalates and then sure. you know there's tribalism and i call and, it like layer one psychosis there yeah, you go. yeah 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 that makes sense well what's um, your interpretation of all of this yeah i mean i would hope that it doesn't create a wedge between the eth community which i identify as being a part of and canto community which i also obviously identify as being a part of um i think that the work that we do on blockchain in general should present a net positive to everybody within the within the blockchain community right uh because any of the experiments that we run can be easily applied to Ethereum, should it work, or any L2 model, or any other blockchain that launches in the future, like we're all building on the back of, off the back of giants. So I would hope that our experiments would just become standards. So are you just basically, is, is your posture, I'm just gonna ignore the noise and keep building? Uh, that's mine. That's what I do. I mean, I've been doing this. I've been in blockchain since 2012. I've been full time on Ethereum since 2015. And that's always been my stance. And I feel like I've always produced pretty good products for the space. So I don't see I'm 35 years old, man. I'm like, not going to change my tune anytime soon. <laughs> so like, uh, I'm 35 is like super old do. in crypto too, isn't it? I know. I, this is like, I've been doing this since like I got out of college. Like I can't imagine like doing anything differently. And um, I'm sure a lot of people think I'm just a complete psychopath, but like, you know, it's, this is what I love to do. And I'm going to keep doing it with people that enjoy doing it with me. And that's kind of my, my place in life. So, right so now. what, what would you say to those who are like, 
uh, take the skeptical approach and are like, you know, all that aside, right? So you're going to keep building, but like, is this just a, a pump type of project? Are people doing this in order to just get rich on their bags? W- would you just say like, yeah, and, and shouldn't they? I mean, we're protocol devs working mm-hmm. real hard. I think we should get wealthy from from um, this type of thing. Or like, what would be your response to the cynic who's just like, I, I, anyone launches a layer one is to yeah, get my, real quick. Mm, no, I don't think so. I think my response would be you should be cynical and you should be you should question everything around you and you should also especially question the people who kind of put themselves in positions as like founders or kind of being figureheads within a community. Those are the people that we should those are the people that should fall under the greatest scrutiny. So I welcome any type of like critique uh, just because I think that's what we need in order to kind of self-regulate. Um that's it. so i guess my answer is like yeah good good for you keep doing that keep asking those questions like the tough questions like those are what's necessary and as far as like getting rich quick i don't subscribe to those beliefs because i identify as a crypto anarchist um i believe in taking care of the people around me and taking care of my community and doing just being a good person to the people that i love and those are the people that support me and the people that are around me in my community so so the Canto founders aren't going to become like, uh, you know, layer one demagogues and the archetypes that we've seen so many times in the past. Well, there are no Canto. I mean, there are I guess there are Canto founders, but there's like 50 of them, like 100 of them. Right. right? So like there can't. Uh, I, think that's yeah. a wide, I think that's a large enough population that we can say that there aren't really any founders. Uh, like anybody that wants to participate in the early days is essentially I mean, and this is kind of what happened with Ethereum, too. Like there were like, how many Ethereum founders are there? There's like a jillion. Texture yeah. is an Ethereum founder? Come there, on. <laughs> there's Don't eight, let hear you there's say eight that. and seven, seven of them are sub, sub, leave it Okay, so there's, there's eight, there's eight founders, but that's like what consensus has dictated to be eight founders after like six years or something like that. At the beginning, there were literally like 40 founders. There's anybody a lot of claimants was, for the title, that's for anybody sure. Anybody that was in the orbit of the launch is a founder. You see right. what I'm saying? But so, this is this is also in some sort of in sort of way like decentralization theater in a way. And this is just human ascribed titles. There are people who started this thing. And when the idea was incepted by like you and Scott, and I'm assuming at least a few others, is, is kind of where it started. And now there's also the details of, okay, that's the idea was incepted in a few central people. Does the code actually reflect that? And I think my, uh, well, I don't know how to interpret code. I'm going to guess that the actual way that the Kanto blockchain was incepted on a technical level is perhaps more decentralized than the way that the ideas were incepted in the brains of, of like you and, and Scott. And I don't think we've totally parsed out those details. How how did the blockchain start? Like, how did blocks start propagating, and how did Canto yeah. tokens start proliferating? Yeah, so we had there was like a Genesis block. Within that Genesis block, it was distributed to between everybody that contributed, and that includes like a lot of people. That's like Preston Van Loon, uh, Johnny Ray, Joseph DeLong, myself. Uh, there were at least there were at least thirty other people. Uh, like KB from. Plex now, well, he's from Headwater. Then there's the Plex team, which is about five or six different people. Uh, Robin Whitney. Uh, there's like a lot of people. There's like, I can't even list all of them. And I'm, not, and I'm sorry if I forgot anybody. I love all of you. I'm just like, these are, these are not uh, things that I really prepared for necessarily. Uh, but uh, 
yeah, and then uh, it was just a general genesis ceremony with all of the initial validators. And uh, that was like a population of like 30 to 40. So this actually starts to feel more or less like a, a DAO of sorts. This is like a DAO that's starting a chain with also no um, walls up about who can, yeah, who can consider, join that DAO. I consider, what, I consider it more of like a collective as sure. opposed to like a DAO strictly, just yeah. because DAO carries certain connotations with it and certain like, you know, stipulations. But I consider it more of like a loose based kind of collective. Okay, understood. Um, Zach, uh, I'll, I'll take your point that calling people founders might not be right. Um, I, I, I'll, take, I'll take that point, especially when it's incepted at the technical level of, of the chain. Uh, at the same time, I want to take the inverse perspective, the opposite, opposite perspective, and say that, okay, people that really kicked our, kickstart this whole movement do set in the culture of what is going to be created around this blockchain the, the culture, the memes, the vibes, and that makes For them sure. maybe not capital F founders, but you know, f you know, they're, they're, when you're instilling yeah. the vibes, you are have an outsized role. And one yeah. concern I have, I'm going to put on my ETH Maxi hat here. I've been doing my Canto Curious hat all throughout this podcast. I'm going to put on my, my ETH Maxi hat. I'm going to pull uh -oh. up and I'm going to ask for Ryan. It? Sorry. Are you ready for David's ETH Maxi hat? Yeah, I you never Maxi take that hat. off, David. Yeah. No, people people assume I have it on all the time, but I don't actually. I, mean, I, I, think, I think I would consider myself an ETH Maxi. Am I not an ETH Maxi? Uh, and so uh, I'm going to pull up a tweet that I'm going to charge you with, Zach, a, a Zach Cole oh. tweet. Uh, and oh, Ryan's no. going to put it on, up on the screen here. And this is a, an Oregon Trail meme, uh, Cantofornia yep. Trail. And uh, yep. this is when, like, I think Canto, the t Canto price, like, skyrocketed from, like, 40 cents to, like, 60 cents. And the meme here is you have died of shorting. Uh, the, the reference <laughs> yeah. here being like you've died of dysentery. Uh, and this is you yeah, tweeting yeah. this and you're just saying rip Anon. Uh, and something that I've kept in my brain is that I don't enjoy founders who tweet about price. I consider that yeah. inappropriate. As in, sure. you've created a decentralized system that is supposed to be an internet native protocol. Don't talk sense. about the price of your asset. I think that that imbues certain negative cultures. Uh, and sure. I don't think you are the only person doing doing this. I actually see this uh, by a number of people who have started the Canto movement. Uh, yeah, yeah. What, can, I, can, I, can I ask before Zach answers that, David? So mm -hmm. I just wanna make sure that you're applying the rule fairly. So would you say that to like the layer two? founders too or like all the DeFi app founders with with a token as well it's like don't talk about the price of uni don't yeah. talk about the price of matic i don't generally would apply that yes founder founders of all things i think it's pro, an inappropriate for them to promote the price of their assets so you're not cutting out specifically a layer one yes I, I guess that's right i guess that's right yeah okay mm -hmm. all right yeah. no mm -hmm. but but i understand what you're saying and it makes sense i don't i think that like it's less about like talking about the price of an asset necessarily and uh more about kind of being like uh pompous or like uh, having too much pride, I suppose. Mm. Maybe that's a thing. I don't know. That's the way that I would interpret it. Um, but I don't really think that tweet is necessarily about price. I use the term, the, the term shorting is in that, but that's because a lot of us are traders. Mm. And when I think of like shorting, I think of like kind of like making a bet against a community. And if you make a bet mm. against my community, you're likely going to lose. 
because I'm a winner and my friends are winners. We're all winners. <laughs> that's I, the Kanto. I, I think that's a, I think that's actually a fair response. Is like when you short something, you're actually shorting against what you believe in. So uh, there you go. And I, I believe what I believe, and I'm proud of what I believe, and I'm proud of my friends. I'm proud of you guys. Like, look, man, David, I've known you for like mm-hmm. forever. Look at you now. You got like a fancy ass camera, dude. My biggest claim to fame is my fancy we, camera. We all came up, dude. We came up. We we got older. We became more professional. We understand what we're doing now. And like, if you're going to make, make a bet against me, mm. that's probably a bad thing for you to do mm. just as a, just as a rule of thumb, because I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing regardless of what's in my path. And if you want to bet against the tenacity of a 35 year old man, then go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't say that I, I, I don't like the dis- disposition. I, 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 people should believe in themselves and I'll, yeah. I'll take and that the point. Price- price aside whether it's one cent whether it's zero and like 18 like whether it's 17 zeros and a one it doesn't matter let me ask you zach so this uh this this confidence right this this kind of vibe that you're imbuing right um it's pretty cool it's right don't don't bet against the canto community because don't bet against the devs is another way to sort of express this right um can i ask you like uh back back to sort of david's point though um would you be one to sort of shut down too much emphasis in cantaloupe culture, uh, cantonite culture on like price. Um, There are times where we've seen sort of leaders in other ecosystems do this few and far between. I remember the famous uh, 2017 tweet and you remember this is like Vitalik being like, yeah, have we earned it? Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering your approach to kind of like the early stages of the community and setting the culture. And the the only thing I'm I'm just asking about is because you know, we've all seen so many uh, token communities go off the rails and yeah, like get kind yeah. of toxic around price. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on best practices on yeah. not letting the Canto community fall prey to that and to stick to re- sure. the confidence, but it's like the confidence so, in what we're building. Yeah. So it's not. So when you think of when you talk about a community and what you're talking about people and when you think about like people working as a group, you can talk about people acting as individuals as well. Once when people make a lot of money, sometimes they just fucking lose their minds. I've, I've seen it. Yes, you've seen it. We've all seen it. Right. Yes. Like people just lose it. You, like they become who they actually are. Right. Uh, because they don't have to like keep up appearances anymore. They don't have to give a shit about anybody but themselves. Yep. So that's when you see people for who they really are. So uh, let me say that uh, price uh, is is a function of economics. Economics uh, are the way uh, are, are a measure of a community to work together. Uh, to coordinate and to collaborate in a way that results in a net success. So there's nothing wrong with being proud and excited of the the price of an asset. Uh, what's wrong is saying I'm I've made this. You're worthless. Your community sucks compared to mine. That's stupid. That's like a bad way to look. So just be real and like we all like make money. We all do whatever we do. Just be nice and cool to the people around you. I think that's what people what turns people off about price talk. It's not saying like my token's doing well, and that means that your token will never do well. It's like that's that's just dumb. Like don't don't be like that. Be like a cool dude. Be like be somebody that people like to be around. Like you know, like nobody wants to be around somebody that's like constantly bragging about what they have. Like it's not if you're coming from a place of like that. Then, then, then that sucks, and you suck. I'm sorry, but like, you know, just like be cool. Like that's it. I don't know. I don't know how else to explain it. I'm not like a big brain guy. I just like put numbers on a screen. 
No, I, I, uh, the bluntness is uh, something I've always uh, appreciated about you, Zach. Um, you and there's a certain cohort, like you and Amin and a few other people could just like call it for what it is. And yeah. I don't think enough people in crypto do that. And so I definitely yeah, appreciate not, that disposition. I'm not here to like, if I, like, I'm not here to like, I don't know. I don't know what you expect from me. I'm just like, I'm doing what I enjoy. I'm doing <laughs> what I enjoy with the people I like. I like you guys. I like everybody. Like, you know, I work with anybody. I like, mm -hmm. you know, and if you're a dick, I don't want to work with you. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know? So we've made a community. That's it. Like, and, and the economics of that community are like how well we can all work together. So, are, are these the vibes of the community right now? How would you describe the the, the vibes, the culture? Of I mean, those are my vibes and those are the vibes of the people that I think I attract just because like, I kind of like have like simple resistance mechanisms that kind of filter out the lames, like, you know, so yeah, I, I suppose so. I think so. Those are the people that I'm around. I mean, we're all pretty cool guys that I would hope you'd like to get a beer with sometime. Mm -hmm. Zach, um, curious what the, what the future is for Kanto. This is a really early experiment still, right? Remind remind listeners again when Canto was launched, and yeah, yeah. Um, how like how far you've come, and then like I know the roadmap is not yours to uh, determine fully, but what are some directions you're seeing social consensus lead in 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 uh, terms of Canto, and what do you hope it accomplishes? Yeah, so I mean, I think we well we launched in September, so what is that five months? It's been about five months of of building and working on things, and. Uh, I think in the future, what we want to do is just figure out how we can scale economically in a way that like makes sense for all the participants, uh, kind of like building cool games. I'm really interested in like gaming and like playing games with my friends, kind of like MMOs. Like I used to play uh, Elder Scrolls Online a lot, but I've kind of like replaced all of the time I spend playing those video games with like building out blockchain primitives and uh, kind of like economic infrastructure. And um, that's a lot more rewarding to me just because the XP can actually be translated to real world value for some reason. That's a world that we've, that's a, that's a world we built. <laughs> you know? So uh, I think like building out that regard and kind of experimenting in those ways is something that I want to do kind of like building online games and like doing stuff like that. So yeah, things that are entertaining. Uh, like we're about to launch, like some of my friends are about to launch the first, the world's first fully on chain DMB line simulator. Uh, that's going to be really fun. Wait, what? What is it? What, what? what do you do? A DMV yeah, line DMV, simulator. DMV line simulator. Yeah, it's dumb. You're going to have to see it to to get it. It's not really that. It's not really that. Like you're uh, talking about DMV, Department about. of Motor Vehicles. You're, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. simulate the line, like the queuing mechanism for like the <laughs> most would, hellish place on earth. I would imagine that's actually yeah. relatively simple. And you're calling this a game? Yeah, yeah, it's a game. <laughs> I mean, you play, you, play, you play a truck driving simulator, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, so those are the kinds of things that we're like playing around with. Mm. Zach, if uh, interest, if listeners have been piqued by what we've been talking about today, where should they go to learn more about Canto? Uh, well, so the entry point to the Canto community is on the Slingshot application. So you can go to slingshot.finance to get involved. Canto.io uh, is kind of like the next place that you would go to uh, kind of like bridge, stake assets, lend. Canto.tools is a pretty good website that kind of has a directory of places and dApps that are that exist on chain. So checking that out would be good. And all of the other underbelly of the Canto community kind of exists within uh, a bunch of uh, disparate Telegram groups and across uh, Canto Twitter. 
Canto Twitter. Canto Twitter, that's great. The other CT. <laughs> Zach, thank you so much um, uh, for joining us and helping us explain the world of uh, yeah, Canto. Yeah, I, I feel like I figured it out. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Zach. Oh, uh, yeah. one thing but before, I probably should ask this earlier in the episode. So the way this works is uh, there are validators, right? It's like any Cosmos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, so validators. 100 to 150 or so validators on the team yeah. as well? Yeah, there's 100. And uh, anybody can join by staking the necessary amount to get into that validator set. It uses Tendermint consensus. Very cool. Well, um, thanks for explaining this uh, experiment and uh, for hanging with us today, Zach. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. Are y'all going to be in uh, Denver or what? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This, this is All right. Seals up. Nice. Yeah. There's also right. that mu that music festival in Nashville, Zach. That's not too far away that I'm coming for. Come through, man. You're welcome to crash here. Christian's here too. We should all go out. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, some old POV crypto days that we're never talking <laughs> yeah. about right now. So uh, we should have our... another POV, one for the time. <laughs> I wonder what Christian thinks of Canto, David. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's the coin. same old Bitcoin maxi take that I told him about it. I, he knows all about it. I go, I hang out with him all the time. He knows yeah. all about it. <laughs> That's awesome. For right, for bankless listeners that don't know what we're talking about, again, I've said this a few times. I do used to do an old uh, podcast called POV Crypto Podcast, which was me and my very Bitcoiner co-host, and who is now at Bitcoin Media, Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, and so, people, uh, I'll defend myself against the Ethereum Maxi uh, uh, label over and over and over again. Uh, my genesis was in having a podcast with a Bitcoiner. Zach was on there a number of times, uh, and so this is why I'm able to. What speak did you Bitcoin. say on those podcasts, Zach? Were you arguing with uh, Christian too? I, well, it's it's funny because like I got started in blockchain through Bitcoin, and then yeah. I found Ethereum in 2015. So I like identify with uh, like as both a Bitcoin maximalist and an, and an ETH maximalist. Yeah, so, both like, tribes. I, yeah. I, like, I don't really like. I'm not really extreme on either mm -hmm. one. I know where both groups are coming from, and then like as people have joined, like they take these different stances. I, I'm I tend to be kind of agnostic. Like yeah. I understand Bitcoin because that's what got me into blockchain. I love it. And Ethereum just like made more sense when it came out because applying business logic to transactions is like, duh, like, you know, so I don't know. Yeah. So I would just kind of like talk about, well, at White Block, I kind of made a name for myself on calling out a bunch of like bullshit. EOS, EOS, White Block report, yeah. made the report yeah. about EOS's networking wow, capabilities that was White Block back and in was the like, day. EOS's yeah. transact, boasted transaction throughput is, yeah. is, is like, 10,000 times it's actual this was 2018 amount. you guys published yeah. this right mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's 2018 yeah that oh, was that. my early research and uh so like i can't like what i what i'm good at is figuring out complicated systems and reducing them to very simple things mm -hmm. like you know it's like most things are just hit the button this is what happens and uh you know like uh, a, lot of, a lot of people are kind of coming out during that ico wave and promising the world to everybody it's like we can do this we can do that but it was mostly bullshit and it was mostly scary scammers mm -hmm. you know that aren't even around anymore so like you know ryan this is the report that like all the ethereum people used to like show like a lot of people like kind of felt the the eos wasn't legitimate and their claims were ridiculous and then this report came out i remember and then and then it's like it well. look at this guy this is what we've been telling you uh and yeah. then it also led into like all the ethereum crowd being like oh multi-coin uh had rotated out of their eos narrative but they're gonna try it again and then they did it again with Solana. <laughs> oh, they yeah, yeah so these people have been doing the same thing over and over and over again for the throughout the history of this industry mm -hmm. so you know it's nothing new nothing you know new but that's kind of like how i like broke into the east scene was kind of by saying calling people out on this bullshit you know mm -hmm. it's just like way too like 
we need to use our powers for good, you know? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We'll end it there. Need to use our powers for good. Uh, I know that that was a fake close of the show, but we just had to talk uh, to Zach talk about a little bit yeah. longer. So mm-hmm. we appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot, dudes. Cheers. Cheers. Risks and disclaimers. I, of course, I got to let you know that uh, Canto is risky. So is all of crypto. So is DeFi. All this stuff is. You could lose what you put in. Let me repeat. You could lose what you put in. We're headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.